the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. The Jewish Hour can now be heard on jcastnetwork.org, your portal to Jewish broadcasting. It's also on iTunes and on your smartphone using the Stitcher app. Shower. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. We've got a great show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we're going to be doing a follow-up. We're going to be interviewing Rabbi Levi Gurkov of Oceanside, Long Island. We are, we interviewed him in November following Hurricane Sandy. And coming back to revisit what's going on almost uh, six months later in the ravaged areas that was left in the path of that Frankenstorm. It's acapella weeks, these next six weeks. So we opened up with some acapella music. We got some really good acapella music for you, let me tell you, folks. The portion of the week is the portion of Tazria, which can be at Tazria Mitzora. We have a double portion this week, which is found in chapters 12 and following in the book of Leviticus. We have an amazing, insightful Hasidic story. But before we do anything else... Let's go right to the news. The Egyptian Navy captured a Somali ship on its way to Gaza. The ship was carrying 40 tons of guns and high-quality ammunition. 14 crew members were arrested. IDF soldiers opened fire on two terrorists who approached an IDF position in Samaria. As the two terrorists approached the soldiers, they hurled firebombs at them. 
The soldiers returned fire, killing one terrorist and wounding the other. Not really what you'd call a good idea to stand there and try to throw a bomb at a guy with a gun. U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry is in Israel today, immediately following a quick visit in Istanbul. Kerry is also expected to make a stop in the Palestinian Authority capital of Ramallah to meet with PA Chairman Mahmoud Abbas. Israel launched its first airstrike on Gaza since the Egyptian-mediated truce ended at November's eight-day fighting. The airstrike came in response to mortar fires from Gaza. Neither the raid nor the explosion caused any injury. Arab rioters throughout Judea and Samaria accused Israel of causing the death of an Arab prisoner who died of cancer in an Israeli hospital. The man was being held on a murder charge of life in prison, and he got life in prison. Arabs in Jerusalem attacked police and security forces who were trying to restore order near the Damascus Gate. A Palestinian man who clicked like, quote-unquote, on Facebook status criticizing a PA authority official was sentenced to six months in prison for libel and slander. The man is the second Palestinian to be in prison, in prison for Facebook activities in the past few days. Natural gas from the Tamar gas field began flowing last night to Ashdod. Israel hopes to save $3.5 billion annually by using domestic gas. The Leviathan field, located in the Mediterranean north of Haifa, is expected to turn Israel into a natural gas exporter. But with everything else, more, more, more stuff, more worries, Israel is going to purchase a fleet of new warships to protect the new gas fields. They've just come onto line. The Israel Navy is hoping to invest $760 million to protect the new natural gas fields. Anybody want to write a check? Syrian troops or rebels destroyed the synagogue where Elijah the prophet anointed Elisha and his followers. Elisha as his follower. The structure, which dates back to the 720 BCE, was Syria's oldest synagogue. Its last underwent renovations about the turn of the century, where it was put electricity was restored, and is known to have been the sanctuary of the Talmudic scholar Elazar ben Arach. Two, ta- two, ta- two let's try this one from the top. Two teenagers from the city of Beitar Elite were injured when they fell into a 15 meter deep pit while touring the Negev. That's 45 feet down. Both were taken to Hadassah and Karim Hospital in Jerusalem and are listed in stable condition. And finally, you can now follow the Knesset on Twitter to find out what's going on in the plenum and the committees, just like you have nothing else to do. The account is HaKnesset in Hebrew letters or at Knesset IL in English. The Knesset also has a Facebook page, a brand new YouTube page, and a smartphone app. Yes, and that's the news. Do you know the best place to buy fruit and vegetables? Why, it's at Frutasia. Located on Southfield Road, just south of the 13 Mile, Frutasia provides quality, value, and the most wonderful environment to shop. You'll enjoy the spacious aisles, excellent selection, great prices, and friendly staff at Frutasia on Southfield Road and 13 Mile. Herschel Finman, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. We are on live with Rabbi Levi Gurka, who is the chief rabbi of Oceanside, Long Island, New York. How are you today, Levi? Baruch Hashem, thank God. Good to hear, good to hear. We had you on last November following the ravaging effects of Hurricane Sandy. At that time, we even had difficulty maintaining 
a connection with you because cell phones coverage was spotty. Things were not in the up in the air. We had to cut short because you had something more important to do than talk on the radio. So in the aftermath, how are things now, five months later, Levy Gurkov? Well, the reception is back and up and running. Uh, thank God for, for that. Uh, we don't have any cell phone uh, problems or any, any of those uh, the landline uh, interruptions. People have their cable back, which makes people a lot, you know, people happy. So in that in that aspect, everything is uh, is on the mend. Everything's on the mend. Just today, um, they, they announced uh, the that they closed the bid on uh, renovating and uh, repairing the boardwalk in our neighboring uh, town called Long Beach. So uh, where they're going to be starting within a week or two. So even so, if you walk, there is no boardwalk at the moment to walk on, but uh, things are turning around to the point where, you know, contracts have been signed and the work is uh, started and uh, going to be starting in the near future. So we're at that stage in the recovery where, um, you know, you got your plans and you understand them. You want to, you know, what you want and what materials you want. And now it's just a, just a matter of renovating. Mm-hmm. You know, the cleanup has happened and, uh, now it's just a matter of um, getting the new bathroom put in. Okay. What's the morale of the people there? This is taking a long time. I'm sure people would have liked if, you know, three weeks later everything was finished and they were back in their homes and everything was back to normal the way it was. This is five months this is going on. Are people frustrated or are they saying, well, we understand things take time? People are frustrated, so they're they're actually um, tired of, of of dealing with this. They want it to be over. There's a number of uh, people. We have the statistics of about two thousand people still left uh, in uh, in emergency shelter when not 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 like the immediate aftermath. They're not in a tent city or in a coliseum, but uh, they're unpaid. They're where the government is paying for their hotel stay. So even if you're going to be staying in a in a half decent hotel or decent hotel uh, that uh, people just need their home they don't like to live out of a one you know one studio apartment uh, in a hotel or in a hotel room so people want to get back to their uh, to their to their own homes they want to move back in and uh, slowly they are you know but, but um, people in my community are still still commuting every day to make sure that the contractors are doing what they're supposed to do and they you know comes a Shabbos and they come to show there's you know that they talk around the 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 Shabbos table is, uh, thank God I got my, uh, you know, my plumbing to work 100%, and then the roofer came and finished what he had to do. So this is what the, people are thanking God for, the so-called little things. Are there still areas in Oceanside that are off-limits? They're still yellow-taped? No, no. Uh, that, that, that There is no place. Well, right now, which is interesting, is that there's still a griminess. There's a grimness to the, to the, to the infrastructure. Like, there's... Um, I can't tell you how many times I had to plug my tires um, just by, just because I went over some debris or some roofing material, um, nail. Uh, it's, it's you got to be careful when you park. Not to park too close to the corner of the curb because uh, they, you know there's, there's shards of things. It's a little you know it looks a little. Uh, it doesn't look as upkept and as clean as it used to be. But now that the gardeners are coming back to, to do the cleanup, but you know after the winter cleanup. Uh, things are slowly looking a little better. The grasses, uh, you know, the, the, the gardeners, even my gardener is telling me they have to use a lot of the nitrate um, double amounts to get the stuff going again because they're all contaminated by the seaweed, the seawater, messed things up. So there's a, the cleanup is still happening. 
Mm-hmm. What what percentage did you say of the houses in your community were uh, destroyed or suffered severe damage, Rabbi Gurkov? Uh, put it this way: if we have about three thousand someone homes, if any of the home has a basement, that basement was flooded. You did not have a home within a mile or two of any canal or waterway that did not get flooded if you had a basement if you didn't have a basement then uh, you would be perhaps lucky if you were a little bit uh, above sea level by uh, if you were above sea level by about three three uh three feet above sea level your first floor would have got a couple of inches of water um it all depends on just just by luck your neighbor when they made the foundation they made it two inches higher than you and uh, they were spared the water didn't come into the first floor uh, so almost every home uh, in the lower-lying areas, primarily even within a within a half a mile distance of any of the waterways, your home your home was was uh, you had to change your electrical conduits and panels and basement and first floor. Okay, now let's talk about Pesach is a big time. It's a big time for families to get together. It's also a big time for Chabad rabbis to make seders for people and distribute matzah and do that kind of things. Was Pesach inhibited or curtailed celebrations to not held because of the aftermath of the storm, Rabbi Levi Gorkov? Thank God not. It's the, the, that's the answer to your last question. Um, people, Pesach is the number one observed, uh, you know, and it's trivia, it's, Pesach is the number one observed holiday in the Jewish calendar, surprisingly more than the high holidays. Um, the the people, what, did change was the people that would traditionally do it in their own home uh, here in the where where I come where our Oceanside area is in the suburbs of New York. It's a very tra- there is, that part of the tradition is very much kept, and uh, in terms of a seder, and uh, but if they hosted a seder of let's say fifteen or there twenty people of their extended family this year they wouldn't they weren't able to host anybody. They had to go to their cousins for the first time, or they had to like give up that. Uh, that tradition of making it in their home because their home is in the middle of renovating or all their utensils that they had or all their Pesach um, stuff, even if it was, you know, the Haggadahs or the books or any of the things that they would use for Passover, um, they had to throw out because it was the lower part of their home or the storage part of the house. So it did change the face of, uh, of, the, of the Pesach Seder. Mm-hmm. Do you normally have like a community Seder? We normally have a community seder. This year, I would say it would it, would, it increased over by a hundred percent, due to the fact that people who who always made a seder uh, this year they it was too tiring for them to do. It was too much for them to 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 pull off, and they opted out for uh, taking our services. Uh-huh. So you were more than a convenience. Would you say you were more than a convenience and a necessity, or or somewhat both? Uh, both, both uh, people are you know the, the exhaustion of just dealing with their with with just you know the, talking to their insurance company, fighting with their with the government the agencies, uh, even going to shop for let's say you know Passover things that they they just didn't couldn't deal with it. So even if it's the necessity of emotional necessity, then necessity is as as well. Uh, you also had to fight with your insurance company and the government, no? Yes. Uh, well, government gives. Uh, uh, we got rejected for any government funds because of the fact that we're not for profit and we're a religious organization. So we got nothing from from any government agency. We're still fighting with the insurance company, um, which they're they're. 
I haven't, I've heard, I can't even tell you how many positive stories. When I say positive, meaning uh, people, what they, what they applied for, got. Every single person that I know, uh, I know quite a few, uh, the insurance companies are, are low-balling them tremendously. If, if their home is, uh, had $100,000 worth of damage in terms of their estimate, they would, they would be coming in a $30,000 payment, and, and people are exhausted, and they're just taking it, and they're just saying, listen, I'll take it and run, better than nothing. So the insurance companies are, in my opinion, the insurance companies are kind of like twisting everybody's arm under the circumstances, knowing that people need the money to finish renovating. People are tired of dealing with the stuff, so they're basically um, getting away with it. Uh, they're getting away with really, really making these kind of settlements. You don't have to take it, but if you don't take it, you're 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 just you're just looking at uh, another couple months of arguing back and forth, and people are just tired. Wow. So that's interesting. As a as a uh, an organization which is providing community services, which is should be considered part of the forefront of uh, trying to get the community back together. The federal government is not participating in your rebuilding. That that strikes me as strange, Robert Levy Gorkov. I, I would I would tend to agree. Of course, I'm biased in this because I I uh, I, I personally you know need that reimbursement of all the monies that we spend for the general community. It's not it wasn't it was it was non denominational. Uh, we 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 were there. We were opened. We were a shelter for, even for the Red Cross and for the emergency first responders. Uh, to come to use the facility, and they did. Uh, there, there is something as uh, you're going to have to speak to guys who are involved in this. Uh, there, there, it's uh, it is passing the House and the Senate. There's some bill being pushed by our local representative, by our senators in New York, uh, New York and New Jersey. They're trying to get the government to 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 um, to waive to waive this uh, this uh, this law that they can't embrace. Um, they can't reimburse. Religious organizations or uh, or not for profits and, and religious not for profits. So there's something being dealt with uh, in the in the federal level, but as of now, there's there's you know all, everyone told me that they're you know all this all the agencies told me that I'm rejected. Right, understood. Do you ever get to a point where you just feel exasperated and just like you know want to throw in the towel? Uh, not, throwing the towel in terms of uh, yes, when it comes to the go- uh, fighting with FEMA and the government agencies, uh, absolutely. And I did that already, and it was passed. It's gone. I'm not even picking up a phone call to call a local senator and a, and a legislator. It's it's it's, uh, it's can't say the word wasting your time because you know any effort you do, but it's something that I have to put my resources and my energies elsewhere. So it, it's that's not where it's coming from, and it's not it's not where I'm going to get my relief. Uh, in that sense, I just put that behind me. So I, I, I personally, yes, that, in that sense, I didn't throw in the towel or, or you know, giving up. But it's just something that um, you know, other people are talking about exactly every time, you know, what's passing the legislation or not. I, I'm beyond that. It's not, you know, if it does, it does. They'll come to me and fine. If not, I'm not, I'm not wasting energies on, on that area. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this seems like you're really stuck because... As you've been in, so involved with the, uh, the helping people after the hurricane, so your budget has probably gone up considerably this year over last year because of your activities. Yet your support base is now very much involved with trying to fix up their own problems. So you're, you're like more to do but less resources. So how are you managing with that, Levi Gurko? 
That's a that's that's an interesting fact you're bringing up, which is absolutely true. Um, people who are generous by nature and uh, people who are very giving and are very supportive in the past of all our programs, um, they're very very busy with their own with their own rehabilitation of their own homes and just the fact that they're distracted and speaking to an architect or shopping for new beds or whatever it may be. So they're spending their their extra monies or 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 even their insurance money, their reimbursement money on their own on their own day to day stuff. And and so then it's very hard and they're very distracted so to speak to be at the to be in the mode of of um, helping a, a, a not-for-profit organization or, or volunteer for extracurricular things, like in the hospital, those volunteer, everything took a took a took a side, um, and it took a little bit of a, of a slowdown, basically, when it came to when it came to the local support that we um, we rely on. It's uh, almost non-existent, besides one or two, you know, one or two people that that uh, that are still able to do that. But the majority of the people are just very, very distracted, and their businesses are affected. So uh, obviously, their their possibility of giving is is, um, is on hold. Mm-hmm. What about national nonprofits? I made a, a donation to say, you know, Hurricane Sandy relief to to uh, Lubavitch.org, and you have the Red Cross and other organizations that stepped up to uh, to fill in some gaps. Have you been getting any help from? National nonprofits. Yes, uh, yes, that that is the redeeming factor, and that is the light at the end of the tunnel for those uh, private not-for-profit organizations uh, that did that did come through. We had some foundations that we've never heard of uh, in the past that said that they suspended their charter to give to to hurricane relief, where that's not what their charter was. Uh, that's uh, an organization of New Jersey. They heard that you know they know that uh, certain community play, places in, in Long Island needed help, so they would give us, but it would be like a one-time grant uh, due to the fact of the hurricane, and uh, you know it would be a five grand, uh, five thousand dollars grant. Uh, we have, uh, for, like you said, the Chabad Hurricane Relief Fund uh, did give. Uh, as, uh, they gave everything out that they that, that they, they they got in, and they spread it out amongst the I think it was 28, if I'm not mistaken, different Chabad houses that were directly affected by the by the flood. The New York Federation did give, and um, and is planning on continuing to give. So we do have that is the only way we're able to sustain ourselves at the moment from the, are from those is from those grants. It's amazing. So Hashem Yazor, as we say, Hashem provides. So we've got you, you've got the the boardwalk being rebuilt in Long Beach, and the streets are getting cleaned up, and people are getting back into their houses. Do you think Oceanside will look like Oceanside it did say three years ago? Any time soon? For one, is it's going to look a little better because everybody's going to have newer appliances, and uh, you look everyone who has new cars. Because uh, I think it was like 40,000, a huge amount of numbers. I mean, the numbers are absolutely out there, ridiculous. Uh, I think it was 30 to 40,000 cars in the South Shore that uh, that uh, of Long Island that were damaged, and they were they were the, they were reimbursed by the you know put into new cars. So you have a bunch of new cars going around, so it actually looks looks nicer. You know, you're not looking at you're looking at a, 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 par- a parking lot that looks nice if you're going to a shopping center. Um, but after all said and done, who cares about that too much? But everybody's houses are being spruced up. Uh, their people are, are are confident that the that um, the community is going to rebound. The community is, 
there's a little change happening. There's quite a few homes that are up for sale. People who are thinking of selling within the next five years are selling now. They're they're you know these are an elderly. These are people who want to move or perhaps half of the year they live in a different they live in Florida or they want to go to retirement. So they're doing it earlier than later. So there is a change in the community. You do see a lot of a lot of people who are going to leave. But there's a lot of people who are taking the opportunity to come in. So it's it's uh, it's changing a little bit the space, but I think for the better. I think it's uh, I think people are that's the exciting part. So that people see that it's uh, it's a nice turnaround. Okay, good to hear. Okay, if you just tuned in and you just you, if you just tuned in, you missed it. I would say go to RabbiFimmon.com in about an hour, and you can listen to it again. Our, our guest has been Rabbi Levi Gurkov. He is the Chabad representative of Oceanside, Long Island. They were inundated, decimated by Hurricane Sandy. We did some follow-up. They've had a wonderful Pesach, a happy and a healthy one, I see. And we want to wish you continued and growing success, Rabbi Gurkov. Thank you, and to your listeners as well. Okay, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Chiropractic Healthcare offers patients the advantage of a safe and natural method of healing without the use of drugs or surgery. People of all ages, including children, benefit from chiropractic's unique approach to health. Call area code 248-557-1818 today to find out how chiropractic can benefit your family. At the Solomon Chiropractic Center, we especially love children. All kids should have their spines checked periodically throughout their crucial growing years. Growth on a crooked foundation will create a crooked spine and become harder to correct later in life. Kids love to get adjusted at the Solomon Chiropractic Center. And hey moms, did you know that chiropractic offers a safe, drug-free approach to helping with the many pains women often get during and after pregnancy? We even have special tables which open up so pregnant women can lay on their stomachs. We treat moms, dads, children, and grandparents with arthritic pains, neck pains, back pain, and headaches. People of all ages, including kids, benefit from chiropractic. Come experience the natural method of healing without the use of drugs or surgery. Stop living in pain. Call area code 248-557-1818 today for a free consultation at the Solomon Chiropractic Center to discuss you and your family's health needs. Remember, 557-1818. That's 557 Hi Hi. Hey, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. I, I find such stories very inspirational. I mean, thank God here in Michigan, it's it's mundane. There's like, today was like just like yesterday, and tomorrow hopefully will be like today. I don't want to go through hurricanes and things like that. No, thank you. I don't want to be the subject of an interview of how we're things six months later. Mm-mm. But I, I do find it quite inspirational. We are in the weeks known as Sefira. It's the time period between Passover and Shavuot, the holiday of the Passover and the Pentecost, when we celebrate or we commemorate a period of mourning for the loss of 24,000 of Rabbi Akiva's students who died in a plague in a 33-day period there. So the music that we listen to is not instrumental, also known as a cappella, the word capella in Italian means music, uh, instrumental, and a capella means without music accompaniment. So, for your listening pleasure, we're going to first up, the name of the group is 613 a cappella, and the song is called Good Shabbos. <laughs> Saying good Shabbos, yeah. 
Michigan Shabbos dip. Friday night time for saying good Shabbos dip. We'll say good Shabbos because we've waited, 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 waited all week long. No, no, we should get Shabbos Yes, we can. 25 hours don't make no plans. How about children? Man, I should have one. My kids don't know that I need this one day. That's what's up. It's an ancient concept. I'm trying to talk about what God said. I'm a winner for this all week long. How many multiples you want? Yeah, I got the sharpest spirit. I'm feeling so strong from the minute that I get it. It's a bit kind of my zones. Me and Rock Bush is joining in song. Keep the music going all night long. Sit down, relax. I want to impress. Life's hard. No time to distress. Thank God for my weekly refresh. Man, I love you. Some shout is cool. of quality and excellence in kosher look for the michigan k on the label what's it look like the lower peninsula of michigan with a k it's the symbol of the michigan kosher supervisors go to their website mycosup.com that's mi for michigan ko for kosher and sup for supervisors mycosup.com and find this month's featured products you'll find michigan k products wherever fine food is sold especially at natural food patch on west nine mile road in ferndale Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. We got up next 
This is the Maccabees. They're going to do a song called Aaliyah, which means to immigrate to Israel. It's a really pretty upbeat song. Maybe it was even commissioned by the Ministry of Absorption in Israel. I'm not sure. Interesting, the Maccabees have been around since 2007. They started out as a as a, uh, a college uh, ensemble. And usually what happens with college ensembles is, is once they leave college, they usually just go their own merry ways. But these guys have been around for quite a while. So with no further ado, let's add you to the Maccabees singing Aliyah. <laughs>
little church in the world. I will face its arms till I find my heroes welcome. is now accepting students. Whether you're a real beginner or have been at it for a lifetime, the Art Studio of Oak Park has something for you. All levels welcome, all ages welcome. Private tutoring or small friendly classes. Flexible hours available. The Art Studio of Oak Park is very affordable. Make your life better. Put art into your life. The Art Studio of Oak Park offers lessons in a strictly kosher environment. Call today, 248 542 5087. That's 248 542-5087. It's great having an art room right in the neighborhood. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. we got another Mac of Beats for you. This one's called Hamalacha Goel. It's a traditional lullaby. Hamalacha Goel Hamalacha Goel Yeah. 
get healthy. At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. You know the best place to buy fruit and vegetables? Why, it's at Frutasia. Located on Southfield Road, just south of 13 Mile, Frutasia provides quality, value, and the most wonderful environment to shop. You'll enjoy the spacious aisles, excellent selection, great prices, and friendly staff at Frutasia on Southfield Road and 13 Mile. Herschel Fitman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. Just a reminder, Fritasia now features the old line of kosher meat and uh, packaged goods. They make like things like chicken soup and kugel and stuff like that. And if you don't know what kugel is, then I suggest you go to Fritasia and you go buy one and try it. And then you'll know what kugel is. Mm-mm. Anyway, this week is the portion of Tazria Mitzorah. It is, the, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe used to call this portion Parshish Tahara, rather than calling it Mitzorah, which is the laws of, there, there's laws of ritual impurity that are dealt in this portion for various different states of impurity. People coming in contact with bugs, the majority of the things that no longer exist is Tzaras, was a skin infliction that occurred in a person's body, which was a spiritual malaise, which we've talked about in years past. The thing I want to focus on over here, towards the end of the portion, deals with the laws of nida. A nida is a a menstruant. In Judaism, we uh, non excuse me. Let's back up a bit. A woman who is a menstruant in is not allowed to have relations with her husband. A period of a week goes by, and after the commence the uh, the cessation of any um, menstruation, and then she goes to the mikvah, and is then allowed to resume normal marital relations. This commandment is one of the pillars of Judaism. I can, there are not enough superlatives that can be expressed that I can encourage any person to start adhering to the laws of mikvah. At first hand, first glance, 
It sounds all very well archaic. This is something from biblical times in the Middle Ages. You know, when people didn't bathe and it was a good thing to take a bath. No, no, this has nothing to do with bathing. A woman immerses herself in a ritual area, which is some natural body of water, either some naturally occurring body of water like the ocean or a river or lake, or some man-made naturally occurring water like a a rainwater cistern type thing, which is really basically the basis of most indoor mikvahs that are built around the world. It's collected rainwater in a very specific way. I don't suggest you make a mikvah at home, folks. It's quite complicated. And a person, the woman has to be absolutely perfectly clean before going into the mikvah. So it's not, it's not bath. It's not dirty. The ritual impurity thing is not a dirty thing. There are tremendous benefits, more than I could go into this, this the uh, short period of time allots me here to, 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 in this venue over here. But I can absolutely say, having been married for going on 30 years, the, the benefits to the family that are expressed spirit, uh, physically, first of all, the... This is an actual and very unusual statistic. The occurrence of ovarian cancer for women who adhere to mikvah is zero. That's a very interesting statistic. Does it have anything to do one with the other? You could explain it in a natural way. The people are more mindful of such things, and anything unusual is earlier detected. You know, you could do all kinds of things. There are the spiritual benefits that we're never really going to know. The previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, when he left Poland and we came to America in the 40s, really, really, really spent a lot of time publicly talking about adherence to the mikveh and saying that if you want to have healthy children, spiritually and physically, adhere to the laws of mikveh. How stringent is it? It says that if a community is building up, let's say you have like, I don't know, a dozen, two dozen families, okay, and they pick themselves up, and they're the pioneers, and they move west or wherever they're moving to, and there's, they're in an area where there's nothing around, totally unused land, open facilities, and they have limited resources. The first community building that has to be made is the mikvah before the synagogue, before anything else. It's the mikvah. Synagogue, you can pray in a field. You can pray in your in your living room. You could have a synagogue. But a mikvah is very much a it's a it's an it's a specific designed building and takes precedent because this this, this uh, prohibition of uh, no relations until a woman goes to mikvah being very strict means if there's no mikvah that means there's no kids no kids means you don't have a next generation and so with with everything else this is the uh, the the amount of of effort and funding that should go into a mikvah should not be a consideration as to the effort 
thank God, Michigan. We we have here a there's a women's mikveh in Oak Park that my wife refers to as the Taj Mahal. It's a structure, freestanding structure, located in the J- JCC campus area. And it's uh, my wife says it's it's uh, more incredible than any spa she's ever been. And that's the adherence. That's what it should be. The Lubavitcher Rebbe would say things like, if there's a spot of dirt on the floor of a mikveh and a woman feels disgusted by it and decides, I'm not going there again, then it's uh, what it's a tremendous loss. And so the, the vigilance that is maintained in the, the order of it, and, and I'm not going to go into great details about it, but if you'd like more details, contact me on rabbifinman.com, and I will put you in touch with the right sorts to do it. And I can honestly say that the laws of, of family purity maintain a high level of interest between husband and wife. The divorce rate among Orthodox couples or people who keep the laws of mikveh is much lower than the the, stand, the, the, the national rates. The you know, national rate of divorce at this point is about 50%. It's really high now among Orthodox families. I think it's up to 20%, which when I was first became religious, it was about 7%. But So people who are now, whatever reason, have, but 20% is a whole lot less than 50% because there is a whole, it's not just plunking in a, in a bathtub. There is a whole philosophy that goes with it, one which sets the tone in the entire family, how the whole entire family is run, how a husband has to relate to a wife and a wife has to relate to a husband. I saw a very interesting thing. Someone posted it to to Facebook. A couple weeks ago, there was a seminar in Israel, huge seminar, hundreds of women on discussing the uh, relationship that you can have with your your husband, fostering a better relationship. So the the moderator said, how many of you love your husbands? And they all raised their hands. And how many of you think your husbands love you? And everybody, of course, raised their, their hands. So they said, okay, right now, everybody take out your cell phone, which is that's like, you know, it's like a given. Now everybody's got a cell phone. Take out your health cell phone and text to your mate. You should try this. Okay, Ben, my trusty, uh, my trusty board op, my engineer, I want you to take out your cell phone and text to your wife right now, I love you. Okay? Your wife doesn't have a cell phone? I don't have a cell You don't have a cell phone. I don't really have old school. Your wife always knows where you are. Okay, you're exempt. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, I want you to do this. Text to your your spouse, I love you. Okay? And they did this did this thing and they wanted to afterwards they took out the results. The number one response from spouse was Who is this? Okay. <laughs> number nine was I love you too. Okay, that's that says something now. Because I tried it with my wife, and uh, 
I got the correct response, you know. So, she she uh, I, I won't even go into the uh, the accolades that I got for that that little text. So, there is this this relationship one with the other, and this is the way we do it. We got to take a quick commercial break. We're running out of time really fast. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Some of the best jobs in the world are in the radio and television industry, and you too can join the workforce in as little as eight months when you complete your hands-on training at the Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts located in Southfield, Michigan. At Spex Howard School, students get to play and learn at the same time. Imagine spending your class time behind the microphone, spinning music and hosting your own radio show, or designing and lighting a set for your own TV program, running a camera, learning to edit, directing a program. When you go to Spex, your day will be anything but dull. And if school is this fun, imagine how exciting it is to work in the growing industry. In addition, the credits you earn while attending Specs Howard School are currently accepted at 14 area colleges and universities. If you've always wanted the best job in the world, call for a tour of Specs Howard School at 248-358-9000. That's 248-358-9000. Or visit them on the web at specshoward.edu. Specs Howard School of Broadcast Arts. This is where you start. Hi, this is Spex Howard from the Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts. We're happy to sponsor the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding for the Jewish Hour comes from its sponsors, it's listeners like you that help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to The Jewish Hour, 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. That's 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. Your help is greatly appreciated. Hey, Rachel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? The best way? RabbiFinman.com. We have archived editions of the show. We have the E-Parsha, the U-Parsha, the Hasidic Insights, all on video and in, and in text. You can take it with you wherever you go. And we have the all-important donations page. Yes, we're still trying to pay for a march, believe it or not. They're very patient with us. We need your help. RabbiFinman.com. Click on the biggest button that impresses you, and uh, we'll be happy. You'll be happy, and everybody else will be happy. We're 18 years now. We're in our 18th year. 17 years, going into 18 years. Chaitzim Leben. 18 is the number of life in Judaism. And uh, let's keep give the show, keep it living. Don't like doing... Internet donations, no problem. Send your donation to The Jewish Hour, 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. 200-and-something years ago, there was a family living in Ukraine that couldn't pay their bills. A local landowner known as the Parrots, that was the title in, in Yiddish, Parrots for Landowner, threw them in a pit, which was debtor's prison. And they stayed there for a while and were fed bread and water till one day the person in charge of, of uh, taking care of them had pity on them and lowered down the rope and uh, got them out and told them, just run away quick. The landowner was furious, but they made a whole investigation of this. He went in and they found that they had forgotten their newborn infant in their haste. And so the uh, the kid was uh, adopted by the landowner, by the parrots. But when he started coming to school, people, the, the, his friends, just keep referring to him as Jid, 
the Zhid, because interesting enough, in Ukraine, Jews don't look like Ukrainians. Ukrainians are, for the most part, blonde haired, blue eyes, have square heads and flat foreheads, kind of like Boris Yeltsin type look. And Jews look like Semites. They have the, black, the darker skin, the black, uh, the, the, the curly, frizzy hair, the noses, the whole bit, yada, yada, yada. So this kid looked like a Jew. So he went to his mother, quote unquote, and said, What gifts? And she told him the story. The kid was so perturbed, this is like a five or six year old kid, he ran away from home. He ran to the next village. And the first person that he encountered, he told him, I'm a Jew and I was kidnapped. And please, I want to be raised as a Jew. This person was, was shocked, and I suppose things like this were happening in Europe constantly. And he raised him as his own son. And after a while, he sent him off to, he was a very smart kid, and he sent him off to a, a prominent yeshiva. And uh, he went one time with his father, his adopted father, the Jewish one, to visit Reb Mordechai of Chernobyl. Everybody knows about Chernobyl because they had that meltdown. But Chernobyl was a Hasidic center. And the Chernobyler, as he was referred to, gave this young student an, what he referred to as an amulet. And he told him, wear this always. On the day of your wedding, go to the rabbi who's going to marry you and open it and everything will be taken care of. And so they forgot he wore this thing. You know, gets things. I know people I know uh, back in the day when people used to wear St. Christopher medals, even forgot that they had them on, that kind of stuff. And he would he wore it. The day of his wedding came, very prominent family. And he went to the rabbi and they opened it. And it said there, a man is not allowed to marry his sister, which was a very strange thing to say. So the rabbi asked him, well, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your background, which he should have done this hello, way before. And he told him the story about his father and his family leaving him. And he went to the father of the bride and told him this story. And the man paled because they were the family that left the baby. That's going to do it for us. We're going to thank you for tuning in. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope we had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We hope to see you again next week. Take care. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.